we've been going through a sermon series in prayer, and it has been such a rewarding one, and I found it so nourishing to my soul, and it has helped relight the fire to pray again. But I want to ask you guys, if anyone's brave enough through this sermon series, is there any gold nugget that has really helped you? Is there any moment where you, you had an aha moment? And just in a short soundbite, if you would like to share with the rest of the congregation, we do have a microphone here. If you just want to pop your hand up, please, I would love to hear from you guys. Oh, we've got someone in the front already. Thank you. Look at this. Um, I'm retired. I'm living in the sunshine. I don't have anything to complain about. So I don't want to just talk to God and go, oh, I'd like this and I'd like that and I'd like that. So it's... You know, when there's bigger issues like overseas and mad dog disease or whatever that cow thing is. Um, all the diseases. It, it just, just I always sort of thought I was just taking up a bit of extra time and it wasn't important. Um, and so one of the sermons was just about like everything. My daily The bread. little things. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's made me able to pray those little things because I just, I've got nothing to pray for otherwise. I'm like, I'm cushy. I'm happy. Um <laughs> And I just, it, I just felt like I was taking up some valuable time of God's. Yeah. Because um, there's so much, you know, I'm beyond fixing the world now. I've tried that. Um, <laughs> and so it was, it was just really enlightening to be able to just do that again. Yeah, that Thank relational you. relationship. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank That's amazing. Is there anyone else who would like to share? Oh, we have another one up here. I'm on holidays here in Cooley at Beach House and one of the privileges I have is to sit on that front veranda and watch the sun come up over Greenmount Beach. But this is both a spiritual retreat and a marriagement enhancement. And just sitting there, just watching the sun come up, my prayers are not intercessory prayers, they're connection with God and I'm wanting to hear what God's got to say to me and I'm wanting to know who God is. Mm. And the four focuses, or whatever, is to understand the love of God, to understand the grace of God, mm. to understand the mercy of God. And the fourth thing that God said to me, Kath, I'm doing a new thing. Yeah. So when I sit out there, they're the thoughts that are running through my head. Just one little bit of extra. I've been reading David's Psalms. And they're actually his prayer journal, journals. <laughs> and the two that have jumped out at me at this point is that David poured his heart out to God. Mm. That's the relationship we can have. And I don't know what that's in Psalm 68, I think, verse 3. The other one is, I don't know where it comes from, is that God confides in those who trust him. So that's the sort of relationship we can have with God, but we have it through prayer. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Anyone else game enough? Oh, we've got, oh, we've got two. So maybe up the back first and then down the front. Good morning. How are you? Oh, hi, mate. <laughs> awesome. Uh, one really cool thing that happened just the other day is one of my um, close friends who was like nowhere ever going to come to God out of nowhere just called me the other day and was just like, man, I figured it out, hey, like, and just started asking me all these questions and, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was amazing just to see that 
you know, God really does have everyone's back and it's, you know, those who are just open, just that little bit open enough yeah. for them to come in. It was just incredible to hear um, yeah. how God really just does actually do the work for people and it's just amazing to really realise that and see that like someone yeah. you'd never thought that would have come to Christ, just come to it through God, not through anyone, but like God just reached out to him, which is incredible. For so sure, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, pretty stoked on that, eh? And absolutely, when our friends don't want to talk, we've still got prayer and we can pray for them. And our family, if they don't want to talk, we can still pray because it's God who does the work. That's, oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And we'll do last one up the front here. Thank you. Um, I'd just like to share a little nugget that I received from Scott's talk a couple of weeks ago. And um, it was on the subject of forgiveness. Mm. And the mind picture that I have of, of Scott as he said it really resonated with me and a light bulb went off because he talked about, um, he was walking on the stage actually and he was walking along and it was just turned his head and he said, sorry God, and kept on going in the same direction. And that really resonated with me because <clears throat> he was talking about repenting and, and changing direction. Yeah. And sometimes we, I, I suppose we feel as though we've forgiven um, and we say that we're forgiven, but we head off in the same direction. So that's on that side of forgiveness. And as far as receiving forgiveness, um, we then go about and do the same thing that we're asking forgiveness for. So there hasn't actually been much of a change. Yeah. So we, it was a two-way thing for me. It was like yeah. <clears throat> you forgive somebody... But then have you really forgiven them? And then on the other side, when you're asking God for forgiveness, is it, a, is it a real repentance or is it just a superficial, sorry, Lord, on my way to the very same thing that I'm just asking to be forgiven for? Yeah. And he did a beautiful illustration. Uh, that's from the Bible with the king forgiving the servant who then that's doesn't right. forgive. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, guys. And I encourage you, when we're having coffee and things like that, share with each other what you got out of it. So that helps reinforce it for not only the other person, but for ourselves. And we are doing this as a community, as a body of believers. We are trying to walk in the ways of God, and we need all the help we can get. But thank you for sharing. And it has been such a great sermon series uh, we have gone through all the aspects following the Lord's Prayer, and I love that we've used the Lord's Prayer because when the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how do we pray? This is what he gave them. This is from God himself. This is our gift to us. And sometimes, like David mentioned in his sermon, we can get so blasé about it because we've heard it so often, we know it so well, that the words become meaningless and this has just been an opportunity where we've been able to stop and look at these words and remember the God we worship and how good he is and how much he wants relationship with us. And although we've gone through the different styles, we pray to a God who loves us. We pray for the world around us. We pray for our daily bread and we pray that he helps us forgive those who have sinned against us as we have been forgiven. But it's to a relational God. It's in communication, relational communication to a God who hears us, knows us, and loves us. And I hope that has been what you've heard throughout all the series. So before we jump in, let's first pray.
Thank you, God, that you are here. Thank you, God, that you do hear us. And thank you, God, that you love us. We give you today's morning session. We give it all to you, God. Do what you will. May it be your words, not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to ask you a question. How are you going with God? Don't worry, I'm not going to send the microphone around again. But how are you going with God? Are you on cloud nine and you guys are tight and everything's just flowing really well and the relationship aspect just makes sense because you're in the zone? Or are you feeling dry and anything to do with God, any aspect of God is feeling a bit tough and a bit hard? Whereabouts are you on the spectrum? Honestly, it's not always easy following Jesus. It's not always, being a child of God isn't always easy. And I'm not even talking about, you know, the persecution we hear about in overseas or the society's turn from Christianity that kind of just raises their nose and go, oh, you're a Christian, and the little bit of shunning. I'm not even talking about that aspect. I'm talking about trying to forgive someone who is just so hard to forgive or loving in a way that Jesus has loved us or being generous or being kind-hearted, or being a maker of peace. All these aspects that are part of the DNA of Christianity, of who God is and who his children try to reflect, it can be just so hard. There's a particular prayer that has floated around for a while. I I don't know where it came from. I don't know who wrote it. But um, some days I feel it in my soul. Let me read it out to you. Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. Can anyone say amen to that? (laughs) I think most of us at some stage can relate to this prayer. It taps into the aspect of prayer, that the Lord's Prayer that we're going to talk about today. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to reverse it a little bit first and start with deliver us from the evil one. It's something we don't particularly talk about much, But as a church, as Christians, we believe that there is a physical and a spiritual realm. And in these realms, there is a conflict between God's kingdom and the kingdom of darkness or evil. There is a battle going on, and we are part of the battlefield. We see this from the very beginning. We see this beautiful picture of the kingdom of God, where God and humanity are in this wonderful relationship, and it is good. God walks along with Adam and Eve in the afternoons. There's tight-knit community. It is gorgeous. There's a beautiful scene with Adam and Eve as well in community. They are together, and they are happy. (laughs) Whose message was that? There's this beautiful image of humans and creation itself. God looks at it all and he says, it is good. This is God's kingdom. 
This is a world where there is relationship and it is in peace and harmony and love. But then chapter 3 happens and we see there's also an evil presence, Satan. Now, we do believe in the spiritual realm and not only do we believe in God and angels, but we also believe in the devil and fallen angels or demons. We believe that we're also in the middle of all of this. And there's a battle for us to worship God or bow to our own sinful desires and succumb and worship what we want to. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent distorts the word of God and the questions and the validity and the authority of God and the rule of God over his very creation saying, oh, you made this, but did God really say? Surely not. The devil is the master manipulator of the truth, the darkness that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, the accuser who is fluent in the language of lies. He seeks to rob anything good of God in this world and distort it for himself. With lies and deception, And appealing to our pride and our desire to be our own God, Satan lured Adam and Eve to choose their own glory and pride above trusting God and putting God first in everything God had already provided for them. And sin entered the world. The devil is real and he wages war against God and those in the family of God. But... And this is a huge, almighty but. Sin, death, and evil has already been defeated. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he was able to declare it is finished. Sin had been dealt with. No longer does it have a grip on those who declare God as their Lord and Saviour. The war is won, but it's still ongoing. We are in the in-between time, the time between the cross where Jesus dealt with sin and the time when he will return and he will restore everything back to where it was, back to a holistic, unified, joyous time of love and peace where a relationship between us and God and us and each other is restored and redeemed, where sin and evil will be dealt with once and for all but we're still in the middle. We're still dealing with evil. We don't have to look far to know that we are still dealing with evil. There is opposition. So if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling worn out, if you're feeling like you just feel like you're getting accused, you're getting attacked, the only things you feel is shame and hurt and bitterness and disconnect, maybe you need this prayer because we have opposition, but we also have victory in Jesus Christ. There's a book called The Screwtape Letters written by C.S. Lewis, and he tells us there's two different perspectives that we can consider evil. Two but equal opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. 
We should not dismiss the forces of evil. Ephesians 6 says, Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. But it is in God we stand, not in our own strength, but in God's righteousness, his salvation that he has given us and won for us. Our hope is in him and our faith resides in him and his truth. And we pray. Did you know prayer can be a spiritual weapon when you feel like there's nothing else you can do? You can pray. We should pray. When we don't, when we feel completely worn out, we have prayer to a relational God who has already won the victory. We shouldn't give the evil one too much credit as well. It is done. Their days are numbered and they know it. A prayer of deliver us from evil. It's a prayer of humility, a prayer of help, a prayer of protection. It is also a prayer of acknowledging the dependence and the need of God and declaring the victory that God has already won. He has done it all through the cross, the victory of Jesus. When he resurrected, he brought with us, with him, new life for each and every one of us. God has delivered us from the evil one. We are saved. But the devil continues to prowl around, looking to devour, to accuse, to spin lies, and to draw us from continually returning to God to returning to their relationship with God in prayer. Prayer helps us turn our eyes from that which seems insurmountable or the lies that try and cage us and bring them back to God who is able to give us the strength and the endurance for this life. Not in fear of evil, not caged by the devil's lies, but in relationship with a loving God. It is a prayer of humility, admitting that I myself, I probably would have eaten that fruit. Not probably, I would have eaten that fruit in the Garden of Eden. That I am feeling overwhelmed by a battle that goes on, not for me just to do the right thing, but to actually go forward with God in a loving relationship. Humility in admitting I'm not strong enough and removes my pride, which has failed me so many times, And I look to God for salvation. I look to God for my righteousness, for my worth, for my truth, for my strength in battle. Because it is God, what he has done, who has already won the battle and who can fight my battles for me. My only task, my only thing I need to do is stay close to him. I need God for this life. And I loved what Mike preached a few weeks ago about spiritual maturity, Christian maturity. It's not the growing in independence, being able to know, I've got this, I've got Christianity nailed. But it is the continual dependence on God and realizing we need God for each and every day in each and every way. The Garden of Eden warns us there is a battle, that there is a force that's vehemently against God and all that God has done. 
but we also see something else at work. Us. Lead us not into temptation. I have two thoughts uh, when I read this sentence. One is, I don't really need anyone to lead me anywhere into temptation. I, um, I pretty much have that covered. Um, don't know about you guys, you seem like you have it together, but I do not. Um, it's a real thing. And um, yeah, just going to be honest there. The other thing is, if God knows how hard temptation is, if he knows how hard this life can be, why is he leading us into it? Why, why is he needing to direct us through it? I will deal with this latter part first. Most commentators agree that this first is better understood as, let us not succumb, fall, concede in times of trial or temptation. We are going to face temptation. We are going to go through trials. This isn't necessarily a negative thing. This is part of the redeeming process. As we come against things that are part of our sinful and fallen nature that need to get removed and pulled back, we're going to feel that disconnect and that struggle between the self and worshipping God first. That's where it comes in. It's not unusual. So this is more saying, while I'm experiencing trials and while it's difficult for me to stay faithful to you, God, help me stay faithful to you. It's acknowledging that we do struggle, that we aren't perfect, and we need God's help to live like he is the king. Temptation these days in the Western context is kind of more of a broad context thing, abstract, I get tempted by a piece of cake, you know, it's, oh, oh better not do that, oh, okay. It's, it's not really anything, it's actually sometimes portrayed as exciting. But do we understand the Christian definition of temptation? Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil. A choice was presented to them to live for themselves, to be like God or to trust in God and the relationship they already had with him, the authority they already possessed with him, the relationship that was so beautiful, or self, and they chose self. They wanted to be their own gods. And this is the event we now know as the fall. This is the biblical understanding of temptation. It is the conflict between being faithful to God and living, believing, and trusting in him as God or unfaithful, choosing to trust something or someone else. And because we believe in a God of relationship, this makes sense. When we commit to God, it excludes other things. Just like when you commit to someone in marriage, it excludes other people. When you commit to an event, it excludes other events at this same time. This isn't saying that keeping that commitment is easy, but it makes sense that there is that conflict between what we, we believe and we know and we are restoring to and other options that are out in the world. Prayer helps us keep that relationship. 
Prayer helps us remember who we focus on first. This can also be daunting because it doesn't just open up temptation and trials to those things that we can go, ah, oh, haven't killed anyone today, thumbs up, we're good. It now draws it to each and every aspect of our daily lives can be a moment for temptation. How do you talk to your colleagues? How do you talk to your family? How do you interact with those around us? How is forgiveness going for you? How generous is your heart? How do you use your time? All these aspects then get brought into this, are we living for God or are we living for self? This is our internal battle. Our desire to be following God, living for God, but there's also that sin nature that wriggles in and we desire to be our own authority, our own power and do what we want in our own strength. Can I assure you, for those who believe in Jesus, who trust in him, we are 100% saved and there's still an ongoing being saved component. We are still growing in reliance on God. We are still dealing with our issues and our fears. We are still coming against the things in our own lives and our personalities that have been distorted because of sin. We are 100% saved and a work in progress. Temptation is not unusual. Even Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, laments over his sin nature and how he struggles and needs to rely on God for strength to live a Christian life. Paul, speaking about the battle of sin and, and holiness, says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Wrap your head around that one. He's saying, God, I love you, I worship you, and I'm still dealing with this sin nature. This is the man who wrote books, who built churches, who is one of the most influential people in the Christian faith aside from Jesus, and he's speaking of this internal struggle between his redeemed self and his sin self. He knows temptation is real but he also uses it to glorify God and sees it as a place where he is set free from sin, from conforming to sin. Before he had a life where he is in God's kingdom, he didn't have an option, but now he does and he rejoices in the God who saved and redeemed him. You can't be tempted in something that's not a temptation, but for him, he sees his choice to live for God as a beautiful thing. And the temptation, the trials, the sins as the exact example of where God has delivered him from, where God has saved him from. And he praises God above that. He acknowledges it, but rejoices in the God who has saved him and a God who wants relationship with him. He turns his eyes to God. The struggle is real. And sometimes we fall. 
I've grown up in a Christian household and as part of that, been to Sunday school and one of the heroes of the faith is King David. I've had an evolving relationship with my understanding with King David. Um, Yeah. In the Bible, he was chosen by God. He was described as a man after God's own heart. He's someone who wrote the Psalms. He's someone who prayed to God continuously. Yet he was also a person who abused his power, committed murder, he was an adulterer, and there were probably a few other things in there as well. So when I was younger and I learned that David wasn't perfect, I was absolutely disgusted. In my arrogance, I looked at that and thought, how in the world could you have sinned so harshly when you had such a beautiful relationship with God? How is that possible? And in my arrogance, I judged him. As I grew up, my pride also grew up, and the desire to live for self just hit the charts. And I decided... Ah, King David can get away with it. And in my pride, used it as an excuse to do whatever I wanted. Used it as as an excuse to justify all those things that I knew wasn't right and that I was willingly pursuing. In my arrogance, I judged him. In my pride, I became more sinful. As long as I was at church on Sunday looking good, But what that did was it distorted and created discontinuation between uh, God and myself. The relationship took a hit. Also, the peace in my own heart was gone and lost because there was such a tension in there that I was living in the world in this darkness, but knowing that there was freedom and truth elsewhere. The more I engaged, the more I became conformed to this world, the more chained I felt in the shame and the lies that I believed, knowing that there was something better, knowing that there was a truth, that there is a God who loves me and he knows that there's something better from the brokenness and the shame and the hurt that I was experiencing. Today, I read about David, and I see him as a human, someone who struggled between the selfish desires and the desires to live for God. This isn't permission to do whatever we want, but to live in honesty that we are not strong enough. We are not our own gods. We cannot save ourselves, and we need to stay close all the time and even when we fail. I can appreciate more the struggles that he experienced alongside for the desire to live for God. And I'm also grateful for the God who is above all these things and whose grace continues to get lavished upon me, upon the forgiveness I receive and I live out of his love rather than any moral obligation that I can be set free from those things that have bound me. 
that I can have peace even if my world is in chaos because I am trusting and living in God and putting him first. There is more freedom in God than where I was. And let's be real, there's only one hero in the Christian faith, and that is Jesus. He is the one who has been tempted but is without sin. He is the one who can help us when we are tempted because he understands. But more than him understanding temptation, he knows victory. He knows how to go through trials and succeed. He knows how to be tempted and win and be prosperous. We have a God who understands us, who has experienced temptation. And because of that, he's able to walk through with us. We are given the Holy Spirit We're not expected to do this alone. We are not perfect. God knows this. And the Holy Spirit is there for us as believers. He is with us each and every day. We are able to access God every moment. Do we remember that? Spurgeon, in part of his sermon on the Lord's Prayer, said, There is no temptation that God does not want to know about. He wants to hear. He has given us permission to tell him our struggles, our weaknesses, our temptations, our sins. Remember, the Lord's Prayer was not made for him, but for us. And therefore, it reads matters from your standpoint and not from his. How beautiful is it that when the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, how do we pray? He shows us. This prayer is a gift from God. And he says, don't shun me. Don't look away from me when you have sinned, but come to me. Restore, return. Let's build relationship and let's keep going. In repentance, we can keep going. But even more so in God's love, knowing his grace, his mercy and his truth, we can keep going in his strength in his righteousness, in his salvation. We are restored and redeemed and we can keep going. All we need to do is surrender our pride. It is God who's doing the work. He's the one peeling back all the things that held us down before. And I don't know what your temptations are. They can be different for each and every one of us. Gambling for me is online shopping. You don't know what you're going to get. So it's not a particular temptation for me. But it is for others. There's other things that are pretty common for all of us. But we're not alone. Not only do we have a God who loves us and who wants to hear our prayers and know how we're going, but we also have each other. We're in community And can I encourage not just praying by yourself and trying to work this out by yourself, but pray in community. Find someone who you're able to say, can you just check up on me? I'm really struggling with this. And together we can pray. Together we can bring it before God. And before God in prayer, we get God's perspective. We find God's strength. We seek God. Because if I'm trying to focus on, don't do this, 
My eyes are directly related to the very thing that I'm trying not to do. Where do you think I'm going to go? I got my motorbike license ages ago, but one of the things they were saying is, if you're trying to avoid something, don't look at it. It seems pretty logical, but it's so easy to get fixated on that very thing, and then you hit the pothole. And you're like, I was trying to avoid that. It's the same with temptation. We don't focus, we acknowledge, we know, we, we bring it before God and we get people around us to help check our hearts and we deal with that, but then we focus on the God who has had victory, the God who knows temptation and knows how to win against it, the God who has won the victory already for us. We turn our eyes to him who loves us, who is doing the work already in us, and we make him bigger in light of all these things. Colossians 2, 13 to 15 says, When you were dead in your sins, And in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He has forgiven us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away. He has nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he has made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus has made a way that we can choose life, that we are alive. When we feel the most beaten down, the most tired, the most stressed, this is a prayer for help, for remembering who God is and for engaging in that relationship. For those who trust in Jesus, our sin is dealt with. We are forgiven and we are welcomed into a new life in the family of God. God loves us so much. He sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him might live. If this is the first time you've heard about this or this is a time where you're like, this makes sense, I want to have this relationship, please find one of us after the service. We would love to pray for you. We would love to answer some of your questions and we would love to start this journey with you. Can I tell you, yes, I've said it's not particularly easy, but boy, is it worth it. The freedom, the true freedom to live, not caged by sin, not caged by evil, but in the freedom of who God has created me to be is incredible. Today, you might be sitting here thinking about your week and how many times you attempted and gave in or where you just willingly jumped right in and you're wondering what there is for you. You might be feeling like you're under spiritual attack, that you're getting hit from all sides. There is a loving God who wants you to come to him with everything. There is a father who doesn't expect perfection but wants to engage in relationship. And when we fall, when we struggle... He wants us to turn back to him and lean into him. While we're in the in-between, we have the external pressures from a world that defies God. We have an internal battle that rages a constant war between self and God. And we have an enemy who is more than willing to capitalize on both of these and draw us away from God with lies and deception. 
If you're struggling, when you struggle, this doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. You are loved. You are saved. And we are human. Let us take off the pretense of having it all together or being in control of everything and celebrate, rather, the dependence on God, the author and the perfecter of our faith, on the one who has already won and the God who knows us better than we know ourselves. His invitation is always for relationship. I'm about to pray a prayer and the band is going to play for 60 or so seconds. And in that time, I'd love us to sit here and think and pray with God, do a heart check. Where are you struggling? Where are you feeling tempted? Where are the trials just kicking you that little bit harder and you need help? Use this time for you and God. And after that, we're going to stand and sing and glorify God who has the victory above all of this other stuff. We're going to glorify him together in community because we're not alone. We're not called to do this alone. And he is working on us. He's not done with us yet. So in your seats, let's pray. Thank you, God, that you are a God who knows where we are and knows where we are going. Thank you that your hand is in each and every one of those moments. And I pray and surrender to you in this moment, coming before you. Speak to us, God. Amen.